Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is We Scottish Livewire, Rachel Thompson, Operations Director Extraordinaire. Coming up on today's show, Rachel gets ready for her dinner. I'm so hungry, I'm so ready. Phil gets deeply offended. I am deeply offended by that. And Rachel gives her perspective on one of Phil's stories. That's quite savage, actually. What an approach. All that and so much more as we chat through Rachel's quite epic journey so far. Rachel really brought the energy and passion from the outset. And there's so much gold dropped here all the way through. A huge thank you to her for bringing her A-game. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to give us a subscribe, a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to the wee Scottish live wire that is Rachel Thompson. I love it. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Um, I'm bra. I'm good. Thank you. You're bra. I'm bra. Hi. There we are. I know when we were uh, talking about doing this, we said, wouldn't it be a laugh if we just did the, whole, the first 15 minutes in full on Scottish? I know. And I wonder how many people would understand us as well. And that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, you would have to put subtitles up, except you can't really do that in a podcast. So um, you'd <laughs> yeah, need to overlay the, the audio in Queen's English. <laughs> I can do that too. I can do some RP while pronunciation on top. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how, yeah, how's things? Where, where do we find you today? Um, things are good. I am currently, I'm in, well, Sidcup on the board. I pretend I'm a Londoner, by the way, because my bin says the London borough of Bexley. So I always tell people I'm a Londoner, but apparently I'm not. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm at home, chilling. Uh, yeah, what about you? You're home as well, I think. So. Yes, and I'm I'm London Stansted. <laughs> oh, are you? Because that's what the airport says. Uh, yeah. But we're absolutely nowhere near London. We're <laughs> 45 minutes out. So Brilliant. So tell the world who you are and what you do. Yes, so I am Rachel Thompson. Um, I am an ops director and concept developer. Um, I'm currently uh, taking some time out, which is really nice. I was uh, I had the first Christmas ever where I was drinking whiskey, eating turkey, and I wasn't worrying about what was happening in operations. So um, it was yeah, it was a one off, first one ever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it can be such an, uh, a, a crazy time, of course, at Christmas. But actually, when you're in the thick of it, you I, I don't think you ever really think about, oh, my God, I'm working at Christmas. Like, it, yeah. it can be really good fun as well. Yeah, no, def- that's it, definitely. And I think it's just in bed in you from such a, because I, I mean, I was very young when I started working in hospitality. Um, and, you know, working Christmas Day and Boxing Day and New Year's Eve was just so common and so normal. So it does feel very odd. And I think there is a massive spirit, amazing spirit that comes with that, you know, when you're all sort of working those periods. And I think a lot of emotion as well, you know, they're like in hospitality, we're also. Um, as one you know we have these amazing relationships that are formed and you spend so much time at work more than you do at home right <laughs> yeah 
so yeah, no, it's a really special time, but it has been quite strange, but also quite refreshing to to have this first ever Christmas not in hospitality. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So currently, sort of looking for my next challenge, taking my time and just just looking for the sort of right fit for for me. So. Yeah, bit of a, a different a different one for me, definitely. I'm used to going 100 miles an hour, as you say, live wire. That's uh, very appropriate. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's quite a, quite a, quite a change to sort of yeah, just be a bit chill over this period. Yeah, and you know, your your story, which we'll obviously get into in the fullness of time, but it is another one for me whereby. Before I started this podcast, we had not met. We had I knew nothing of you and your 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 background. I think you very kindly liked something that I did once upon a time and in, in, across somebody's chat, and mm-hmm. I then looked into your background and I was like, "Wow, holy moly, you've got some." I, well, I'm sure you've got some stories to tell, but there's also your your journey is quite incredible from the outside looking in. So. That's the joy of of I suppose this industry is is that it is it's so vast. That mm. even somebody like me, I suppose, who even my day job requires me to be quite well connected. Yeah. So, you know, the podcast has just has helped that no end. But it, actually, it's introduced me to people and to stories that I just would maybe not naturally have come across. And, and yours definitely looks to me like it's one of those. Oh, thank you. No, I think for me, I mean, um, I'm very, very, very uh, ambitious, you know, and I like to take risks and I like to go against the status quo. I believe that that's what makes you stronger. And I think the biggest thing that I did was obviously when I way back when, when I was a young, a young lady without the wrinkles, you know, without the green hairs <laughs> coming through. And, you know, I was working as a, a waitress, essentially. Uh, in, in a cocktail in, bar. Uh, no, sadly, no. I can oh. sing that for you, though, if you like. <laughs> you um, but yes, I was working then. And then I, I think, you know, I, I had, it was five years actually as a, you know, working in, in Spirit Pub Company at the time. And uh, I think within one year, um, I was holding my first ever pub. And I was like, wow. Jeez. Yeah, it was super quick, but it was hard. <laughs> it was so hard. And I made so many mistakes. Like I remember my um, my old GM, who I'm very grateful for, because she taught me so much. She taught me the why. You know, in business, when people are quite nervous to ask why, she always pulled me up and was like, why have you done that? I'm like, uh, uh, like I didn't have the answer. So she taught yeah. me to be accountable and actually like think of why I'm making actions. But I do remember nice. like, I used to take one hour to cash up every night, like regardless of if it's a 10 minute job, I took one hour again and again and again. I pushed the button and checked it again and again. Um, and everyone got so bored of me doing that. Like, why is she taking so long to cash up? And then I remember I left £3,000 on the chair in the office. And uh, the next day I got a message, obviously completely oblivious. And then uh, the, my GM said to me, she said, I think this is too much for you. And I was like, Oh my, like it was, um, that was probably my biggest moment where I was like, no. And I remember sending probably my old Blackberry or Nokia, whatever it was in those days. God, uh, God you're aging yeah. yourself here. Uh, oh my God. And I was like, no, I was like, I want my own pub. I remember so vividly as like, I want my own pub, you know, just, just, you know, forget that mistake, whatever. And that's when I was, I switched it. I was like, nah, I'm so hungry. I'm so ready. Um, and yeah, I was, I was holding my first ever pub which was an absolute, it was chaos. <laughs> I was, what, how you know, old were you at that point? I would have been 22, 23. Wow, nice, right. Yeah. yeah, and I think in those days that's quite young, isn't it? Because, you know, 
I remember they'd come out and say, can I speak to the landlady? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. They're like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah. no, it's really Is your mum around? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like, I am manager. They're like, yeah, good one. Where is she? I was like, no, really. And I think looking back on that, you know, that's quite tough, you know, because people were sort of judging you just because of how young you were, you know, young yeah. female uh, running a pub. I remember that I'd have like a, a dress on and my red lipstick and I'd look all glam. And then within one hour, I'm in the kitchen cooking steak. I've got chip fat in my hair and I'm like, wow this is the pub life is it you know like it was, it was I chose so this yeah exactly yeah like what am I doing and I think you know how many times I actually questioned what am I doing was 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 uh was quite a lot copious amounts but that's good though that's that, that's exactly mm. you know you, because you could have you could have answered these questions and gone you're actually this is not for me so yeah. the, the fact that you're asking the questions and you're you're coming to the conclusion no, no I still want this I still still want this and it's you, you know interesting to me is where did the drive come from why as in you said you know I know I'm going to kind of show you that I want this but where mm. did you've got to have that within you to so where do you think the spark came that actually this is the thing that I really want to do yeah I think I just fell in love with with the, the whole hospitality and I think it's so fluid as well. Like it, it's it's not the same every day. And I actually thrive on those kind of environments. Um, and I, I used to say this actually, that if I worked in Tesco, I would want to be the fastest ever at scanning all the products, you know, like that's me. And, and when I, I did a lot of sports when I was younger as well, when I was competing sort of in badminton, uh, I was playing football. I played for a women's football team um, and things like that. So I've always sort of had that competitive nature inside me. Right. And I think that when I got into hospitality, and into this particular sort of role that I was in I was like this is it this is getting my fire my belly is going and yeah and that's kind of where where it came from really but I was very very driven because there are some situations that I mean would would really test a lot of people and I remember there was a pub that I was um, running in Derby we had a premier in attached to it actually so I was learning all about how to run a a sort of hotel and, and run a, a restaurant and stuff. And I had nothing. I had a suitcase with some clothes in it. I had a camp bed and I had to borrow a duvet and a pillow from the hotel. And I was just, oh, it was awful. And I remember it had, it was just not the best environment. And, you know, those are the days I was like, is this really like the life you want to live? But I was just so ambitious that I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely achieve what I want to achieve. Yeah, but I think anybody who's kind of made anything of their their lives, and I'm not just talking about hospitality here, like in any sector, they've usually had to, you know, swab the decks or Mm -hmm. whatever the analogy is of, you know, just really it's not all glitz and glamour. The glitz and glamour will come, but, but you've got to put the hard yards in. Exactly. And I think, you know, we were talking about this before, but being in hospitality, I would say we are just all so resilient, you know, as as, as our nature of who we are. Um, and we have, we have you know, situations that wouldn't arise in a, in a 9 to 5 in an office. You know, you're not going to have a restaurant of 200 people and then the gas goes off and you have to deal with that situation. You've got 200 unhappy people. You're going to have an unhappy investor because your money's not coming in. You're going to have an unhappy team because they have to get sent home. It's just so many situations that arise and I think that you know you have to be so so ready and sort of able to deal with that and handle that and I think that's the best thing about hospitality is everyone's so supportive as we were talking about before there's a massive network everyone's well connected and everyone just wants you know to see others do well 
Mm. And and I think that's what's quite special about the world that we live in and hospitality, definitely. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. And but also I think the the these moments that require you to be resilient, you probably mm. you can't put a price on what that's actually mm. just teaching you about life skill, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I've spoken about this so many times on, on this show around especially, you know, a couple of years ago when they were talking about the visa situation for on the back of Brexit and mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. And that, you know, we're we're gonna look at the low skilled parts of uh, you know the the workforce and I was like I am deeply offended by that terminology because yeah. you know actually the greatest skill that exists in the world is the ability to make people feel special yes. in the moments where you don't feel special yourself yeah um, and my god I've just summarized that brilliantly haven't I um well, yeah, let's go on a t-shirt. That's beautiful. Yeah, we're going to get yeah. some t-shirts made. Um, yeah. Some post for inspiration for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, surprising myself here on a Friday morning, but no. um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, it's true for me. I, I, you know, I think I don't think we shout about that about that as a wonderful mm. byproduct of being a, in this industry enough. I think you know what it can then give you, even if you're only if your time in hospitality is short. You know, the things that you learn while you're here will stand you in amazing stead for for the the next phase of your life whatever that looks like I completely agree and, and I think what's so good about hospitality is you've got all the different parameters and aspects of the business so you know sort of in the position I'm in now I mean you know I've got exposure to to marketing I've got exposure to sales I've got exposure to financials you know IT HR um, health and hygiene you know it's a massive remit and I think it's quite it's quite unique to be able to have that. And you could, I mean, you could transfer your skills as well. You don't have to stay in hospitality forever. You know, if you wanted to get into retail, for example, there is a possibility to use those skills and transfer into a completely different model. But um, but yeah, there are some amazing skills you do you do get. And as you say, the real life situations are. I mean, wow. I'm sure you've mm. got stories as well, but there's just some oh, really, no. really, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Story time. You know, the, the, the cash flow, uh, the cash float uh, thing that you were just yeah. talking about there, I was just that you, you triggered me uh, in some ways. Because when I, I first started on a, a cruise ship as a receptionist, and we used to handle, I think our floats were eight grand, and we used mm. to handle multiple currencies. And this was in the days before Euro, once again. I'm well, dating yeah. myself here, but you know, so yeah, you'd have know. at any one time you'd have four or five currencies in your float. So you got to balance, you know, the the cash differential between the the exchange rates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the the early lessons that you get that I had something very very similar happen to me is that I left my float open and mm. I don't know went to the toilet or went to ask somebody a question or something like that. And then what they used to do is that the leaders would just occasionally do a sweep to see who was leaving their floats open and just take money out of them. So you And you wouldn't learn that until you got to cash up at the end of the day and you go, I'm 500 quid down. I don't know why. I feel like I've done everything correctly, nearly at the point of you know, breaking down in tears. And, uh, and then somebody will go, I've got it here. Oh, wow. What do we learn from this, Phil? And you're yeah. like, okay, let's, let's make sure that whenever we're walking away from the float that we keep it locked up. Yeah, that's quite savage, actually. What an approach, eh? Yeah, but it worked. It worked. Uh, you know, I never that- ever made that mistake ever again. You know, and um, and I think that's the these lessons that you you learn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need people to be hard about yeah. the, it, the the it, things that you do it's wrong. Re- 
It, it's so true. And I think, I mean, I remember I was in a, a hotel in Leicester and we were doing uh, weddings. It was a, a really big venue. And I was actually the deputy sort of, you know, on that, that progression to really work myself up. And my GM was on holiday. It was her birthday and she went to Las Vegas. Amazing. I mean, very jealous. And then it was a Sunday. It was sunny. It was beautiful. And there was a massive beer garden, like probably 250 covers outside. There was inside, it was just a very big venue. Anyway, so on that day, there was, a, I think it was a baby shower that was booked in. Plus we had all the bookings for a Sunday. It was a proper destination venue. Sound like, right. And then obviously you had the walk-ins from the, the it was sunny. So I walk in and I'm in charge because my GM's on, on holiday in Vegas and I don't want to disturb her. And my head chef didn't turn up. I'm like, oh, oh no. Honestly, he didn't turn up. And then the other chef called in sick. There was nobody in that kitchen. So I was like, okay, Rachel, you need to make some some really concise and clear decisions here. So this is another lesson that I learned as well. I was just hungry for the money and I was trying to show off and be like, I can handle this. So I'm in there with the hotel receptionist making prawn cocktails for this, you know, function in there. The orders are just coming in and it was out of control. It was one of the worst services I've ever been in in my entire life. And I was the problem, obviously. Um, (laughs) And then what happened was so bad is the baby shower complained. They were like, this is a disaster. So I actually went to the ATM machine, imagine, and I got money out of my own account and I just refunded them all. I got got it all in my pocket and I just said, right, how much do I owe you? How much do I owe you? It was, I felt so bad. Right. And then the next day, there was so many reviews on TripAdvisor, like absolute disaster. I was like, wow. So I had to learn a big lesson, you know, because that can affect a business so badly. You've got the online reviews, you know, you've got the, it was like a, a kind of community uh, hub as well. Right. So word it's of mind. Absolutely nowhere to hide. Oh, oh no, I was exposed fully. <laughs> and I think that was one of my, you know, one of the, an, another large lesson for me of just, you know, having to handle business in the right way and saying no, right? You say we cannot, you know, and, and sort of, being able to understand volume management because I was still quite junior. I was still learning my way. And I think, you know, my prerogative was just to make money and look great when my boss comes back. But what happened, Phil? Mm, <laughs> didn't look none great. of that happened. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. And just these situations can just, you can also get the impression from your line manager that, oh, you know, is, is she really up to this? Can she handle it and stuff like that? So you really have to work hard to to learn and, and take each punch as they come, you know, because they do come. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I would mm-hmm. hope in a situation like that that people can, your, your leaders can identify yeah. the fact that that ultimately did come from a position of care. It might have been misplaced in terms of how you wanted to execute that care, yeah. but um, you know, it's just because you wanted to make it a success. Exactly. That's it. the intentions were pure, Phil, but the yes. delivery was not very uh, strong. So, yeah. so yeah. But it's not so nice to like reminisce on these uh, these sort of situations that helped us to be who we are today, right? Yes. Uh, anyway, we're we're kind of kind of coming off piece here a little bit, or with regards to your story. Actually, what I wanted to to cover before we carry on with the story is where are you from originally? So I am from a fishing village called St. Monans, which is in Fife. Sounds delightful. Mm. Do you know, I I don't know the specific place. I know Fife, obviously, quite quite well. We used to holiday. I don't holiday. We used to day trip because I'm I'm from Perth, so we're not a million miles away. We used to day trip uh, to Ely. Yes, it's it's basically two miles from Ely. Okay. 
Yeah, it's, it's so you've got Ely and then St. Mornings and then Pitsy Mwim. It goes in that. Right. That's, yeah, and then Anstruther. Anstruther is quite popular. It's a lot of tourists um, go there. They've got the best fish and chip shop ever. Right. It's Such weird. a beautiful part of the world. I know. I'm very, very lucky. And imagine, I mean, I was, I was brought up, you know, sitting on boats and going crabbing. And yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. And my mum, every Saturday, would take me to the little shed and we'd get some scallops. And some kippers, and we take them home and cook them fresh off the boat. Oh. Amazing! Mm, God, absolutely. Do you think that that's where being a kind of in an environment where uh, tourism is obviously quite a, a major part of the area? Do you think mm. that sparked an interest in the industry? Um, it may have. I mean, I've, I've not really sort of pinpointed that as as uh, a reason why, but I do remember what probably got me. Uh, going as such was I worked at, I don't know if you heard of Bruce Sangster he's a chef patron and he is absolutely fantastic um, and he had a little restaurant in Ely called Sangster's I don't know if you've right. heard of it you know Ely I, I, I um, guess it's such a long time ago I'm so old now so it was it was I was uh, going there when I was a kid so oh, yeah wow. it's probably changed probably immeasurably yeah. Yeah, it probably wasn't there then at all. And uh, I worked as a as a waitress in their restaurant, and it was the freshest, most beautiful food ever. And I think that's when I got my foodie sort of uh, you know perspective on life. I was like, wow, you know, monkfish, scallops, halibut, and it was just done to perfection. So I had the the honor of working there for um, I think it was a year that I did there, and it was owner led. So I was literally hand in hand with the owners, and they treated me so well. And taught me a lot about real fine dining. And I think I remember there was a Michelin inspector as well at, at that point. And I was there. I was serving the Michelin inspector and things like that. So, you know, I got that from the start. But I did work from a very young age. I was 13 when I started working. And I was working for pound fifty an hour. Can you believe uh, it? Yeah. God, well, my first... My first salary was uh, salary was 50p an hour. That was my, was my parents with their child labour. That's what that was. <laughs> Teaching me all these lessons, but uh, yeah, we are we are definitely dating ourselves here, aren't we? We are. I know what's happening. We're meant to be cool, and we're like, <laughs> yeah, we're just coming across a very old boy. Um, but yeah, so I think, and again, I think that probably uh, because I was working, I was cycling to work. I had a yellow bike, and I would cycle one and a half miles. Um, and I worked in a baker's. So I was making sausage rolls and pies, and then I'd cycle back home. So I think that ethic was instilled from from quite a young age, um, and then carried on and sort of evolved as I was going from business to business. But yeah, I definitely think Sangsters was a was a great chance for me to really understand what I was what I wanted to do. So yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So back to where we were in your your story. So you are you're a pub landlady <laughs> yeah. at, at this point. What uh, what happened next? Yes, so I was very determined to move up. You know, when when you're like, I'm ready, I really want to move up. Um, There was discussions that, you know, I could do a programme for an area manager and it's 18 months and I'm like, no, that's too long for me, I'm ready. You know, I was very very set. And I am as that as a person, you know, I I do. When I believe in something, I will go with full conviction that I, you know, I'll I'll do what I can to, to achieve it at least. So I decided I want to go international as I, I literally just said, I'm going to move abroad. And that was it. I had that conversation with myself and um, I applied for some jobs. So uh, I applied for some jobs in Abu Dhabi, some jobs in Dubai um, and over Skype. I didn't even have to fly over there. Um, I landed uh, my first role in Abu Dhabi. So 
I resigned, obviously, from that role, but it was five years. It was a strong tenure. Obviously, it learned a lot from a sort of corporate perspective, structured perspective, and that was my biggest learnings, really. And then I uh, went to live with my parents while I waited for my visa, and I flew to Abu Dhabi on my own and started as a, as a GM over there um, in a beautiful, it was stunning, a beautiful restaurant on the mangroves. Um, right. And we had... It was, it was uh, just, oh my God, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and I started there and I think within sort of six to seven months, I was in, made into a, made into, I was then promoted into a, a cluster operations role. So then I had three sites and just quite quick actually in terms of progression. But I think the best thing I've ever done in my life was to move over there. And I learned a lot about myself. I also learned business in a totally different perspective, cultures, nationalities, you know, it really opens your eyes as yeah. to, you know, it's 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 just so different. Was it hard? Absolutely. I remember the first night, um, I didn't have any Wi-Fi. I had my suitcase, my furniture wasn't delivered, so I just fell asleep on a on a tiled floor in my flat on my when I was in and I thought, is this what I want? Yeah, once again. Yeah, here we are, back to the glamour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another question for myself. You know, and and it was uh it was yeah, it was tough. And I think going on your own to to a different country abroad is 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 such a, a big bold move. Um, Absolutely. And you're, uh, because you know you're creating bank accounts. You're, you know, kind of closing your life over here and, and moving over there. So, but I, you know, the the business over there is it's quite different. You know, we have in terms of it's very dynamic. Things change overnight in in the Middle East, and that's what uh, obviously excites me because I like I like to be kept on my toes. And yeah, as I say, just a massive learning in terms of cultures, nationality, and sort of bringing in a different approach to business with sort of marketing ideas or sales ideas, and sort of making everyone feel as one, and sort of making the team feel valued was really really a, a key thing for me over there. So so yeah, that was uh, the big move in twenty fifth. Yeah, 2015. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that part of the world is just nonstop, isn't it? I mean, as you say, the the evolution of the offer, uh, there's always new things coming online. So you've got to, that keeps you on your toes from a business Mm. perspective, or you, you know, you can get your head turned as well quite, quite easily because that shiny new thing has just come to town and everybody wants to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's also that part of the world is responsible for one of my uh, lamest dad jokes, uh, which I, I don't know. This might be the end of my reputation, actually, if I if I say this, but I'm gonna I can always edit it out, right? But um, yeah, so here we go. If I remember this correctly, what's the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? What is the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? So the the people from Dubai don't like the Flintstones, and the people from Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> I've actually heard this before. Yes, indeed. I've actually said that's the second time I've done that in a public forum. I can't believe I'm still here. Wow. Um, but, but there we are. It was exceptional, honestly. Thank you for sharing. It's, it's worth coming on the show for, just for that. It wasn't was. It? This is my highlight. It's all I'm going to think about today when it's done. Like that yeah. joke from Phil was amazing. Yeah. Um, but that was a dad joke for sure. But yeah, it was, yes. <laughs> so, but, well, how long were you actually in uh, the Middle East for? Uh, I was there for five years altogether. So okay. I did, yes, I did two years in Abu Dhabi and then three years in Dubai. Right, yeah. And in that time, you got some fairly insignificant recognition. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, are, are you talking about the uh, the power list, the Correct. women in power? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was a pinch me moment, honestly. That I really, even to this day, I'm like, am I on that really? It was, it, and actually, the background behind that is what makes it even more special. So, the caterer, obviously, in the Middle East is massive. Um, and I think Dubai is so strong on comms and network and sort of a recognition and valuing sort of key players in the industry. And what they used to have was a power list, but they never had a woman in power list. So this was the first ever list that they made for women. Uh, and this was in 2020, uh, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, and what a, what a year that was. Yeah. Gosh, I know. I know. <laughs> we can skirt over what, that. That's fine. Actually, was it 2020? God, I can't remember. Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter what year it was. You you got you got the recognition, so that's that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, and it was really special because obviously, as I say, it was the the first ever, and it was sort of recognising women in the industry who are sort of influential, powerful, and the list is called Women in Power. But the people, the women on that list. I cannot, like, rubbing shoulders with them was just, wow, a pinch me moment. You know, there's some absolute powerhouses on there who inspire me, who have inspired me, who continue. I'm watching them on LinkedIn, like, I was on a list with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, look <laughs> at you, hey? Um, so, you know, it's really, it, it really was a, a massive moment in my career. And it's sort of, you know, I've, I think especially in the Middle East, when you are a female over there, it, it is, it was, I guess at that time, it's evolved a lot more now. But you have to be strong, right? You have to hold your own. You have to hold your ground. You have to be very, very aware and adaptable and, and who you, just believe in who you are. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to get on that list was, yeah, it was an absolute pinch me moment. And I'm extremely uh, grateful to, to be on that. But it was quite tough. You did a, a sort of a vetting process of your results, what you've achieved um, and so on. Then you got shortlisted and then they announced it. But I remember they tagged me on Instagram and I was like, the cancer has tagged me, and that was it. I, and that was the moment. Wow. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. Five-star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotorcloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. But I, I suppose as well, did that come about, did somebody nominate you for that without you kind of really knowing that it was happening or was it kind of quite open? Uh, it was quite open. So there was an, uh, an agency, a, a sort of PR agency that I was working with, PR marketing agency. And a lot of them, I think almost all of them were women. And they obviously have the insight that this list is coming and so on. And they, they sort of were like, you, like Rachel, you must, must like 
let us nominate you for this. You know, you'd be perfect. And they obviously worked with me and saw how I am, what I'm about and so on. So I was very flattered for them to sort of approach me. But um, so, yes, so they, they nominated me. And then I, I did a few sort of sort of things about my achievements or, or whatever. And then, yeah, and that was it. But, yeah, yeah. it was, it was mm, very well, exciting. Well, it's also, you know, from a food and beverage perspective, it's, you know, it's quite an incredible area. So then to to feature on a list in an area that's so F&B focused, mm. you know, number 13? Number I mean, 13. Just Unlucky for some. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. but not you. <laughs> Unlucky for some, Phil. Um, but yeah, number 13. And I think there was 25 uh, women on the list altogether, obviously. But yeah, and I think the the number one, so inspirational. But I think consecutively, they're just like number one because they are just absolute, one of one of the best in business, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, you, well, you're mates now, though, weren't you? So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the list. We're mates. We're on the list, it. yeah. You all need to be friends with me, okay? And we're all go, yeah. No, but and I think that you know, as I say, there's some really, really amazing names on there, and it's you know a credit as well to the Middle East to actually bring that out and start to really embrace and drive women to feel powerful, to feel you know strengthened in what they do and recognise. And I think recognition is so key in this in this business because we work bloody hard right mm. <laughs> and I think recognition is such an important tool for even from a from a junior perspective to even senior roles you know you do need recognition because it allows you to sustain what you're doing to elevate what you're doing um and yeah, yeah. I just think it's very important so yeah it's it's fantastic they're doing that and I, I will you know say them at least is amazing at all those sort of awards and categories and and rising stars and they have stuff like you know head best housekeeper in the uae and stuff and that's amazing you know how, yeah. how are you the best housekeeper like how did they judge that i don't know but they do and and they do really recognize which is fantastic yeah who's got the best hospital corners that's the yeah, exactly. um yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah i'm sure that's on the list tick um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, I agree with you. I think the 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 recognition for the work that you do is absolutely necessary. Even if you're somebody like you who's got a lot of self drive and a lot of mm. you know, not necessarily out there to do it for the recognition. You're out there mm. to you know to get yourself ahead and as elevated as you can make yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, when somebody comes along and and recognizes that the effort that you're putting in. Mm. I just think these moments are absolutely necessary because th these are the things that keep you motivated, right? These are the things that, that keep you going, well, good, that somebody is recognising that I'm putting my heart and soul into this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it helps you, okay, what else can I do? You know, that's, yeah. that's the next question you ask yourself. Mm, it's true. And I think especially managing teams as well, I love to recognise my team. You know, a thank you comes out of me daily, you know, always. I always say thank you. I always recognise, you know, great performances. And I think that builds trust as well in your team and respect, you know, because they realise that you can obviously see from your perspective what they are achieving. And I think when we are growing teams, whether the junior or the GMs, ops managers and so on, we should always, always just keep that in the back of our mind that, that recognition goes so far. And sometimes it can be sort of... Uh, know the word what I'm thinking of here sometimes it can just be disregarded because we're all so hectic and we're all sort of driving for the sales and we need to make profit and we need to get a beat and we need to do this and we do... but actually you saying thank you to someone who's just done something is is just yeah it's it's more precious than you know I think yeah and I, I know I know everybody's different with this and they all have their mm. their different metrics as to what what drives mm. them etc etc but I think that's probably 
it's massively important that you as an individual understand what, I suppose, what emphasis you put on things like this, because certainly mm-hmm. for me, as I look back, uh, you know, the people who got the best out of me recognized that I'm going to, I'm going to thank him for that. Mm-hmm. And that just yeah. made me feel like, well, I, I'm doing the right thing here. So I'm going to do more of the right things. Yeah. But not everybody reacts that way. Some people like to get yeah. bashed over the head with a leak you know, to, yeah, to get the best yeah. out of them. I'm not advocating that, by the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, as a management tool. Gosh, I'll be in the, in the Hospitality Gazette. Yeah, <laughs> it No, um, it's a very valid point. And I think, you know, um, I guess I'm speaking quite sort of uh, overarching, but yeah, it's true. And some people thrive on just being tough loved and, and pushed into that corner and come on then, uh, what have you got? But but yeah, I think the majority, I mean, yeah, I just think recognition, how, whatever capacity is just really important, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So uh, across Dubai, what sort of businesses were you operating in? So Sorry, I, across the Middle East, I should say, not just Dubai. Yeah, no, no, so of course. So I um, I was with an Italian chain, Carlucci's actually, uh, mm. in Abu Dhabi. And I love Carlucci's. I think they're absolutely fantastic. I think they're philosophy on who they are and the ethos is they nailed it um, and to work in that environment was amazing and I think that that taught me the next level of of um I guess business operations and care about the food quality because I guess in the UK I was working with let's say not entirely fresh food right right <laughs> yeah um and then I going over to college shows was you know every morning we're doing batch tasting and I'm like oh guys you need more seasoning in here you need more this you know I was really learning that sort of side as a manager which mm. was great. And then I moved on to an asset management company and they had, I think it was five hotels at that point, um, sort of 400 bedroom hotels, quite big in the, in the, um, in the Dubai world. Um, and we were basically looking after the F&B division. So there was the hotel side, there was the asset management sort of uh, owner rep, and then there was us sort of uh, driving that food and beverage division so we would um we had concepts that were already there that we would evolve or we would just monitor performance so my title was actually it's so long but it was uh concept development and performance managers so i would performance manage the entire portfolio so every durham that comes out i'll say that in a while uh Very you good. know my my so eyes were on, yeah <laughs> my uh, my eyes were on every dome that was moving in that business and it was a remarkable role and I think that you know the, the who I was working with Duncan he was so inspirational and really taught me a lot about how to think outside of the box and really be assertive in decision making and, and things like that and he's he was so creative very very creative so we would then uh, together sort of Perhaps he would have created one and I would evolve it or execute it. Um, and then as, as time got on, I would then create my own concepts and, and do from literal concept to launch, um, which was amazing. I loved it. Mm. And yeah, it allows you to, to really sort of, and you're working with executive chefs, you were creating a menu, you were signing off the menu, you were looking at uniform, um, you were looking at interiors. It was just, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and the ability to be so creative was just great but the company itself I mean they're actually they're building the tallest hotel in the world right now so yeah Uh, they love a statement over there don't they 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but it, that was a, a really fantastic role and, and sort of having that ability to get so deep into the business side. So sort of from a financial, I was learning about, you know, depreciation and cash uh, injection and cash flow. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, so, you know, I, I had this real in-depth ability to, to sort of uh, go into that that business elements and then we had like hygiene as I was saying earlier sort of all the pillars of the business um I was I was able to be a part of so that was my sort of biggest role today in terms of exposure to the higher level sort of management essentially it was yeah yeah, yeah. All, it was good. all part of the right. de- development of uh and I suppose as well you you, you look back on who you were as a, a an early 20 something mm. in many ways you know that person has allowed you to get to mm. where you are now because you you know yeah. you're you're still being exposed to stuff that you don't have necessarily experience in but actually somebody sees something in you and says yeah you you know you're exactly what we need for for this mm-hmm. role at this time and that enriches your roundedness and capability yeah so you were in Dubai for, I keep saying Dubai, you were in the Middle East for uh, around five years. What, 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 were you, what was the last role you did before you, you, you came back? Um, so that, that was the role. The, the that was the role, yeah. Development performance. And I guess the reason for coming back was COVID came and Rachel went. It was, Girl. yeah, Dubai was tough with covid it really really affected it and as you can imagine dubai is there's a lot of tourism right so it's tourism led and um, you've got the emirates cabin crew the etihad cabin crew they're not flying they're not coming to brunch anymore you know and we had to, we had to shut down it was a full-on shutdown and in dubai they have like if you have a restaurant um especially when i was there anyway i'm not sure if the, the kind of regulations have changed but you had to be in a hotel that was the setup. So, so yeah. Um, and what happened was obviously it, it just really, really hit the F and B industry massively. So yeah, I left, and, and I was looking for a role, but nothing really was there that was right for me. And yeah, I made the decision. And as I say, I'm always true to myself when I feel that something isn't right, or there's no synergy, or it's not hitting my values and and things like that. Then then I got to I've got to say no. So, so yeah, I left. And can you believe I was sipping margaritas on the beach? And I went to live with my parents for six months. Can you Oof. believe it? Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, but do you know what? Such a well, a time of life that we'll all look back on and, and yeah. God, did that really happen? Um, yeah. mm. Nevertheless, responsible for you know some decisions that just just have to be made, and uh, and nobody I think can begrudge anybody mm. any decisions that people made in that time because. Yes. Everybody just it was such there's so many question marks. Mm. How do you how do you make decisions at a time where nobody knows what the future holds? Exactly. That's it. And the time that it's gonna take and and the, you know, the, the damage that has been done. I think the biggest thing that really, really um affected me was the people. You know, I could see people really in a tough position and it, yeah, it affected me quite a lot. Mm. And it was it was really yeah, it was it was a really hard time all around. And then I guess when I came back to the to the UK you know I kind of felt it was still I mean I had to quarantine for two weeks I wasn't allowed to leave the house for two weeks so I was eating my space raiders you know my haggis <laughs> my square sausage and I was like life could not get any better right now yeah and yeah and then I, I could I could feel the ripple effect massively 
Um, and I think the UK was a bit more lenient in terms of, you know, the, the whole COVID situation because Dubai, but I remember, we used to have a, a permit on our phone. And if you wanted to go to the shop, you had to apply on the permit to go to the shop. It was very, very tough. Right. I love wow. that, you know, it was, and they kept the sort of cases really, really low due to how, how they handled that. It was quite amazing, to be honest. But anyway, yes, I came back and sort of, yeah, I guess had a bit of soul searching, had a bit of reflection, obviously. Would I have left if it wasn't COVID? Probably not. I was I was quite content over there. But everything happens for a reason, Phil. I do believe in that, you know, and, and obviously I, la- I then landed at an amazing opportunity in my next role. So it took a bit of time, but, you know, it was worth it as it was it was definitely a remarkable, remarkable role. So, yeah. Yeah, I, but I think that's a, that's a great message in itself is that, you know, it is not just about, I suppose you know, you come back to the UK with your tail between your legs a little bit, but that, that yeah. was the tone of the, the world at, at the time. Nice. But you've already said throughout your journey, you know, that it's not, you've got to be true to yourself. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer to find that thing that is true to that. Uh, it's yeah. not just about leaping into the first thing that comes your way. Exactly. And I think, you know, especially when you get into sort of, well, any role, I don't know why I'm saying senior, any role, it has to, you know, you do have to have a sense of peace. And I think, you know, yes, jobs are hard and, and um, you know, the it's it's relentless and, you know, you have to perform. And, you know, and our, as we say, you have to be extremely resilient in hospitality. It is 24-7. You know, anything can happen anytime and you have to be ready for that and you have to problem solve. It's quite a solution-oriented business you know you are constantly sort of trying to solve things that are happening mm. um the rewards are massive though when you do but I, yeah I do believe that um no matter what you do it has to make your heart sing if that makes sense to you yes it's going to be hard but there must be synergy between you and the business that you're in for both parties they obviously have to feel the same but I think as as the older I get as I say the more wrinkles that are making appearances on my on my little face um you know that's probably become more a thing for me than than ever before definitely because before yeah. I was just so hungry but like, give me it give me anything I'll do it I'll show you how good I am you know and now I'm like wait a minute <laughs> take your but- time um, yeah, but I, I think that's that's probably uh, I hate saying stuff like this, but it is true. It, you know that that's the maturity that comes with age, right? I mean, yes, and not yeah. just in the the numbers that you that you are from an age perspective, but mm. actually the experience that that comes with that, and all of the things that you've done and learned over that mm. time, is that you know what is important to you changes in terms of you know the thing that drives you yeah but it it still has to be something that drives you mm. that's the, the 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 key thing you can't just yeah. be doing something that is you know i'm doing this because it pays the bills yeah uh, you know i'm doing yeah. this because i bloody want to exactly yes 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 and i think i would never ever instill that mentality in me sort of i'm very much sort of you know i've got my eyes on my five-year goal what i want to be who i want to be where and things like that and you have to sort of commit to that yourself you know you have to commit to being being what you've always wanted to be and yeah I think I agree with you definitely there's this if you're if you're in it just for the money or just to get by then you, you may you may not progress or you may but it you might not be out. yeah exactly and it might be slightly not as not I'm going to say genuine but you will you may not have that spark that other people do who want to who are just so hungry to, to get through and I think with hospitality to digress it slightly there's so many opportunities to progress it is massive you know you get a lot of opportunity a lot of chances and the trajectory of that is is quite simple you can go from a 
a KP, I mean, I was a waitress, right? So you go from a waitress, you go into a team leader, you go to a deputy, you go to a GM, you go to an ops manager, you go to a director, and what's next, you know? Mm. Um, and it is it is there for you. The career pathways is lined up almost, you know, textbook for every business, but you have to put in the work to definitely achieve that. You know, it's not going to come overnight, essentially. No, and indeed, and I think it, you, in order to put in the work, it has. To, there's got to be something about it that resonates. Totally with you if, if there's not as you say if you're just chasing the yeah. money because the money does come it, this is the one of the maybe the biggest secrets of of the industry is everybody mm-hmm. says it's a low-paid industry but actually like most industries when you're starting out yes of course it's it's you know entry level pay yeah but you can get to good money mm-hmm. fairly quickly in yeah. reality but if that's the thing that drives you then that's not going to mm-hmm. sustain your career mm-hmm. um you know you've got go and get a job in telemarketing or something like that mm. um if you're if you're money motivated but yeah i think um you've got there's got to be enough about the job that you're doing mm-hmm. to excite you and to to make you want to get out of bed in the morning no absolutely and i think that i mean i, I wouldn't know percentile of who and how but there is a, there is a majority of people who who are in it just you know to get a to get their sort of monthly paycheck which is absolutely fine and we would be absolutely nowhere without them we would never be able to open our restaurants we wouldn't be able to open our hotels because you know they they are the, the absolute bones of our business mm. but they're content right they're happy and you know we just have to look after them and create that culture that they feel valued and respected and and want to work for us and have a reason to work for us but then as you say there's that percentage of us who are just like let's go you know I'm uh yeah I'm making it to the top watch me I love I love that definitely. Yeah, but I, I, the other thing about that, all of that, is is that you know that this industry can welcome people of any mentality, right? Yes. I mean, in terms yeah. of whether you have that absolute go get drive or whether yeah. you just you whether you do just want to to come in and do your best work and you're happy with that job yeah. and you can be happy with that job for twenty years. Yeah, you know the the exactly. industry can absolutely reward you. Hundred percent, and I think it's it's fun as we were saying about Christmas before. Like, how cool is it that you can work on a busy bar in London and meet all these people and you know have fun and engage and you know do some flaring, chuck it over your head, you know, and you can create the kind of theatrical moments and you can go home feeling that was a great shift. And I think it's rewarding in that context as well. You know, I, I remember when I used to run my first shifts and, you know, I would do my table allocations of it, right, okay. And if it went really well, I was like, do you know what? That was fantastic. And I was so proud of myself, you know. And like, even when I was a waitress, you know, if I got 20 pound in tips and I, you know, and I got a five-star review on TripAdvisor, that was my reward, right? Um, so I guess on every end, every stage of, of your career or wherever you are in the business, it can be so rewarding. And I think, it's fun. It is fun. And any, you know, anyone who tries to suck the fun out of hospitality, you shouldn't. Because <laughs> it is, you know, just don't. <laughs> yeah, stop it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finish. Because, yeah, um, yeah it's, it should be fun. And that's what I've always believed in. And as I say, you make connections with people. There's emotional connections. You know, you become a motherly figure at 25 and you're thinking, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to deal with this, you know. Um, mm. And, yeah, it's just a, a really, really unique environment. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be in it, really. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So you're, I want to say, I don't even know what the correct terminology is, but you're between jobs at the moment. But I I suppose, as you've discussed, being true to yourself around, you know, not just jumping in to the next thing that comes along, Mm. but actually you you need to find something that is, you know, sings to you. 
That's it. That's it. I've got a, uh, yeah, I like that. It sings to me. No, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, now it's January, February, there is, you know, the, the market will be shifting slightly now and in terms of roles and stuff. But yeah, for me, it really is um, looking for that role that has pure synergy that I can add value and vice versa. So, so yeah. But also, I would say in within that, there's there's also a really great message uh, as well because uh, you know, I'd, ten years ago, your 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 career trajectory had to look like you went from that to that to that mm-hmm. to that with no gaps, nothing. Yes. You know, there's clear indications as to why you you did things. But nowadays, yeah. for me, uh, you know, this is I think where maybe a shift is happening in in the marketplace. People realise that, uh, especially on the back of COVID. There was a lot of displacement. There was a lot mm. of people who shouldn't be where they were, but they were out of necessity, or yeah. you know, they they just had to take something because you know the the wolf was at the door kind of yeah. scenario. Yes, and all of that is now balancing itself out. And and I, I think you know taking your time to do something that's right for you is absolutely the the, the right call. And I say that with my recruiter mm. head on yeah. is that I definitely course, would yeah. not you know, discount somebody because they've got a six-month gap in their CV anymore, whereas I probably would have done 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, you know, same to me, if I'm interviewing someone and, you, you know, there's a six-month gap or or whatever, I, I mean, who are we to judge? There could be any reason for totally. that. Yeah, and as you say, like, from my perspective anyway, that they might not have been the right role for them or, you know, something wasn't working or there was, you know, they wanted a bit of time out um, and so on. And I think I'm quite lucky, though, that I can do a bit of freelance sort of little projects and stuff behind the scenes, which is quite cool for me, I guess, to get my hands on some some cool projects. But, but yeah, I think, you know, as I say, who are we to judge? If there's gaps in CVs, let, let's explain it, let's talk about it and make it normal, you know? Um, yeah. And we should be held held to account for a, you know a month or two months where, there, where there's a bit of a gap I mean that's okay it doesn't matter you're still the yeah. same person you still achieve what you've achieved and you're still who you are so and if anything you're going to be so fresh coming into the, coming into my business because you had a bit of time out right yeah. <laughs> you're going to come it in guns like, blazing you're going to be absolutely. like absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah totally um this is a, a question that I hadn't, I don't think I've really ever asked people. So that's a good setup for you, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Thank but you. Anybody who's listening who has aspirations to become a, an ops director mm-hmm. in, a, in a business, what would you say to them as the, the things that they really need to kind of go and get mm-hmm. under their belt? Um, I mean, for an ops director role, obviously, it's it it is it's a beast of a role. You know, you're managing an entire sort of operation, and it could be you know forty pubs, it could be a hundred pubs, it could be two hundred. Um, so you have to be able to really, really understand how to really analyze performance on a on a mass scale. And it's hard, I'm, you know, even as an ops manager when I was developing and I've, I've gone, you know, 10 sites and I have to remember every single net sales, the spend per head, the covers of the day, like it's a lot of information and you have to be able to really understand how to forensically analyze that and use that strategically as well. I think being an ops director, there's a lot about, you need to learn, not learn, but you should be really, really adaptable and agile with people people are everything in that role because without them you you can't do what you need to do and I think forming relationships are also having difficult conversations and being able to sort of set your sort of stance of where you stand and and what you need and is required from people is really really key and keeping up with upwards and downwards doesn't it 
Yeah, 100%, absolutely. And I think... um, I think we've got a lot better at being able to have those conversations now. But, you know, before it was, you know, a bit nervous to speak to Lucy because she didn't do something or whatever. But just be real, be absolutely open, transparent. And I think having an open communication is is really important because you gain respect and trust and loyalty. Obviously, having a, a really key understanding of market and really understanding you a great knowledge of market trends, how that's going to affect you, you know, keeping really up to date with what's happening. You know, if there's train strikes that you know is going to happen in three months, strategize quickly of how you are going to mitigate that and how you are going to ensure that your profitability doesn't suffer and so on. And just really, really keeping alert on, on what's happening and looking at other businesses as well and, and understanding what their trends are versus what's happening with you. And I think really just just being a lead from the front um, and really, really show, show the best example of, of, of what it looks like to be a great leader and you know deliver with conviction and also sort of be as I say once again be true to yourself about what you need but I think from a I guess an ops director level definitely having a strategic approach is, is absolutely key and you know you have to be ready to make decisions um, and take accountability especially when you get to director level you know it's it's very much expected that you make the decision you'll execute you'll define an operational strategy you know you'll do XYZ, you'll bring in a new headcount, you'll restructure, but you have to make sure that you're doing that with all conviction and you've researched and you know your ROI and you know exactly what that's going to achieve. And if it fails, you have to have your hands up and, and be ready. But but yeah. Yeah. One forever. But yeah, these no, are no, I'm I'm smiling to myself at just how how passionate and alive you are when you talk about this stuff. It's um it's yeah. great to see because obviously you are doing the thing that you're you're meant to be doing. Mm. I, and I think that you've just kind of summarized it there's more to 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 talk about of course but mm. you know yeah what a what a, a fabulous role you have within you know, and the part that you play within the industry is mm-hmm. immense thank you it's very kind thank you <laughs> very good right well i mean I, to be honest you've kind of you've covered off a lot of the questions that i would have had just through the fullness of the discussion i'd normally ask people you know what are your three reasons why somebody should come in but I think you've given way more than that throughout the, the fullness of the conversation. So final question for me is just really centered around if, if people want to get a hold of you to, to learn more or maybe recruit you into their business, <laughs> what's, uh, what's the best method of, uh, of them to get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, drop me an email. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, come, uh, come chat for sure. I'm, I'm always available and always open. I love meeting people in the uh, industry. Love building my network. Um, so yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure to chat through your journey. Uh, there's more to come for sure. But um, yeah, we'll get you back in 10 years and uh, and see how it's progressed from there. You'll be an MD or a CEO by then. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. And happy birthday, by the way. Um, oh, yes. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Everyone who's listening, um, say a happy birthday and thanks yes. for doing this on your birthday. What an honor! Pleasure, absolutely. I couldn't think of anything that I'd rather do rather than talk to someone, which is my favorite thing in the whole world. Excellent. <laughs> nice one. Thanks so much, Rachel. So, take care. You too. Cheers. And there we have it. What a cracking journey so far for Rachel, and with so many great lessons and messages all the way through. The main one definitely being centred around being true to yourself. I think we can all agree that that's a belter. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday with another wonderful story from hospitality. But until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.